This is Financial Standard, the definitive source of news, thought leadership and analysis for Australian wealth management professionals. Financial Standard. Take the lead. So today we're talking about real estate investment trusts, which have experienced significant volatility driven in part by elevated interest rates that can impact performance and the aftermath of the pandemic and overvalued assets. Joining me today to share insight into the current and future state of the market is SG Hiscock, Director and Portfolio Manager, Grant Berry. Grant, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. It's great to be here. Well, there is some pretty conflicting information out there, and depending on what you read, REITs may have either faced further challenges due to ongoing interest rate hikes in the US, or they might stage a resurgence as bond yields stabilize. So can you run us through how the global REIT market is performing currently? Well, look, there's a couple of parts to that. I mean, firstly, there's the rate hikes themselves and the cost of short-term debt. And, you know, that's all really come about as a consequence of inflation. That's that's really played through the course of 2022, um, extending into this year. Our sense is that inflation is pairing back now, although for various reasons, it's reasonable to expect that inflation will be somewhat higher than what we experienced in the years prior to the pandemic. The issue is the high cost of short-term debt. That's going to have an impact into earnings, and we have seen that felt through the REIT sector in the last couple of reporting seasons. But the real more pressing issue, at least in our mind, is the issue around bond yields, um, both nominal and real bond yields. Um, and they've taken quite a rise, and quite a rise in recent weeks, um, actually. Now, the way to look at it is there's real bond yields. So real bond yields is, you know, a lot of people will refer to them as um, you know, tips, and that means that you can invest in a bond yield, um, and then you get inflation on top. And going back... Uh, in 2021, at the end of 2021, would you believe real bond yields were actually negative here in Australia? They've now moved up about 300 basis points to where we are now at about 2%. Now, we think of bond yields and we think a good comparison is to property income yields. Because if you think if you own a property, you're collecting rent, the rent divided by the asset value, that's your property yield, or people often refer to it like as a capitalisation rate. And rents grow over time more or less tracking inflation. You know, typically it underperforms inflation over a long period of time, although under the contract of leases, they tend to be a little bit higher than inflation. So it's a good barometer to think of capitalisation rates. Now, that move up in real bond yields has an impact on valuation. Right? It's like in, you know, if, the, if, the, if, if your alternative is to invest in a real bond yield and you can get a return of, say, 2%, and your, your cap rate might have been, let's put a number of four, and you look and you go, well, that spread's not really sufficient. So that's really started to play out. Now, the way that that's played out is it's played out more immediately in the REIT sector. I mean, the REIT sector is, um, you know, priced daily, and it can react to this immediately, and it can potentially overreact to that. It's somewhat slower in the direct property market, and that's what we're really seeing. We're starting to see, you know, cap rates moving up. We've seen that through the last reporting seasons, most notably the most recent one, um, and we're starting to see, you know, valuations you know, come under a little bit of pressure and we're starting to see transaction, you know, evidence, you know, with, you know, transaction activity in the market where assets are sold and that that sort of feeds into the valuation. So that's really what's happening. Um, having said that, all that, notwithstanding that, we think that there is actually compelling value on offer in the A sector currently. Um, as I mentioned before, it can actually overreact to these type of events. 
And so what is that, in the, if we look at the Australian market, how does that sort of translate? Because if you look at um, the impact of inflation and interest rates increasing, again, it's it's a little bit confusing because there are some models that suggest that rates are really great for hedging inflation and others that suggest it's actually really detrimental. So in Australia, are we likely to see, you know, a, a, a you know, a new rates turn a new leaf now that the RBA is pausing? Yeah, well, it, it's it's interesting. I mean, when you think about inflation over a long period of time, you know, owning an asset that's already built is a good thing to own, right? You own something that's built. The cost of building that asset is going up, right? So therefore, to replace that asset, it's more expensive. To get the rents to justify replacing that asset is more expensive. But that shock of moving to a higher inflation environment, that's a disruption. And that sees real yields move, which is what's happened, and that's knocked down values. But you know, I agree with the thinking that over a long period of time, property is actually a good inflation hedge, but it's disruptive in that transition to um, that inflation. That's what's been effectively occurring. If you think about many of these leases in these properties, they're inflation-linked. So, for example, if you go into a typical West Field Centre where, you know, more or less 80% of the tenants are specialty tenants, their rents are typically CPI, that is inflation, plus 2%. And that's actually working through those assets at the moment. We've seen very strong rental outcomes. We're seeing in the order of 8% rental uplifts in these Westfield centres. But, you know, your real bond yields have moved and therefore, you know, there is a valuation adjustment. But offsetting that, the top line rental growth is really good. You know, you're getting good rental outcomes. This has been playing out in global rates, and the way we look at global rates, we look at global rates as if they're hedged to the Australian dollars to take out the noise of the currency. Now, over the last year, the return, and this includes distributions or think of dividends, has been more or less zero, and that has actually extended through into the last seven years. So imagine you know, you've, you've owned an asset for seven years, and it's pushed out distributions every year, and your total return is more or less zero. You know, if you look at that, over the last six months, they're down 4%, um, heavily impacted by September, which was down about 6%. Now, Australia, I'm moving back to Australia now. Australia has actually done um, comparatively better. So, you know, if we look at it over the um, over the last month, we've done worse, down 8.7%. Um, but over the last year, the return's been very healthy. It's actually been 12% over the last year to the end of September. And over the last seven years in which due rates were flat, the average sector returned 3.6% per annum and almost double the return per annum of due rates over the last 10 years. It's north of 7%. So average have done really well in that context. Um, I wouldn't put it down to um, giving the RBA credit for being um, on hold. I think that's short term because the interesting part to this is that our 10-year bonds and our real bond yields are not that dissimilar to what's happening in the US. I mean, yeah, you know, when I looked at the US, they're at about 4.8, we're about 4.6. There's not really a lot of difference. Uh, part of the reason for the Australian outperformance um, is that our composition of our index is different. About 30% of our index is comprised of fund managers, no, most notably Goodman Group, and there are others, Home Co, Centuria, Charter Hall, and they are very different to the traditional route of just collecting rent. They're fund managers, so they're engaged in um, you know funds management activities performance fees, development, and these other activities, um, and they have tended to outperform. But even putting that aside, 
Australian rates have done well. Like, you know, we've got a portfolio that is income orientated. Yeah, fund managers don't deliver much income at all. Women groups distribution yield is is you know under one and a half percent. Um, so for that reason, we're very underrepresented, and our portfolio has done better than um, global rates, you know, over those timeframes, and certainly over the last um, ten years, very much so. So you know, we think traditional rates have the potential for good returns on our analysis based on current pricing. Over the past few months, there has been a lot of activity with major players in the space exchanging contracts to sell and buy quite frequently. What does that say about the market? I mean, are assets being offloaded to scrape back or minimise losses? Yeah, well, it's interesting because you do see, um, and we do follow the transaction activity of the REITs. And overall, transaction, interestingly, transaction volumes are actually down right over the market. But we're very focused on what the REITs are doing. And they have been selling, right? Um, and you know, if I start with 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 office first, and office is the most challenging sector. It's probably worth talking about that a bit further, but I'll focus on your question um, here. What they've been doing is they've been selling their lower quality assets. So we're talking about assets that can be you know 30, 40, 50 years old. Um, they've been holding on to their good quality assets. Um, they've been reinvesting in, in building assets. In the case of Texas, they're, they're building um, you know a large building, for example, t- for Alassian. Uh, so that's been their focus. Now the cost of debt is higher. So given that the cost of debt is high, you know in many cases they can actually sell these assets. You know, they're selling them at broadly the yields have been around six percent, and that is not dilutive to their earnings, and it actually restores and strengthens their balance sheet. So it's not that they're carrying back losses as such, but they're strengthening their balance sheets. They're not really um, impacting the earnings, and they're retaining their high. Um, quality assets. So that's focus. Now that's offers. If we look at retail, retail transactions have held up very well. There's been a couple of outliers of very motivated sellers. They've not, and they haven't been the reason. The motivated sellers have actually been the unlisted um, players where they've sold at discounts, but we're not really seeing the discounts there. Industrial, we're seeing industrial property values hold up pretty well as well. And where we're seeing some softness is actually at the smaller end where we're seeing the privates not as active in the market because of the cost of debt. So things like service stations, childcare centres, and so on. We've seen a little bit a little bit of weakness there as as well. Well, I was just going to say what sectors are currently thriving and what is struggling the most. Are you sort of focusing on any one thing at the moment? Uh, well, it's interesting. In terms of what's thriving, you would say industrial is thriving. Um, vacancy rates are very, very low and rental growth has been very strong. I mean, there's been cases of, you know, been able to capture 20% uplifts in renegotiating and in leases. But having said that from our experience before in property cycles, most people would probably think when things are going well that they'll last forever. But we see, we saw this with office um, just prior to the pandemic. We had vacancy rates in the threes in Melbourne and Sydney. Um, we had very strong rental outcomes. We had strong demand. And so we're actually a bit contrarian. We're a little bit cautious on industrial because we do think it is very hot. Um, one sector that we do well like is actually residential. Um, we just think that, you know, it's pretty obvious and it's obviously a major focus for the governments that there's a chronic shortage of housing in Australia. We've got very high immigration. Um, some people will argue that it's too high, but ultimately we do need um, immigration to this country because of an, extent, an aging population and to expand our tax base. So we expect that to continue. And that really bodes well for, for residential in terms of rental outcomes, but also in terms of um, delivering housing, albeit you know affordability is definitely a challenge at the moment. 
you know, what we like in that space is the developers and developers that can actually deliver to the affordability equation. And um, Stockland's been doing that very well. They've been reducing their lots, but, they, you know, they're well capitalised. They've been, um, you know, playing that space very well. Peak Limited's another group that we hold in our portfolio that's also got a very large land bank across um, across the country um, in place of that. So we really like those growth corridors. We think some of the alternatives will do well going forward. Um, you know, interestingly, you know, service stations is one where, you know, people could just take the view and they go, oh, service stations, don't like service stations, we're all transitioning to EVs. And it's, I even saw one fund manager said they'll have their Kodak, or what it was, it, the Kodak moment, like, you know, the Polaroid Kodak cameras. But that's so so incorrect in our view. They are well-placed because if you have a metropolitan service station, you sit on land, you sit on land that's got a very light, build structure on it and it can play and lend itself to a home better use ultimately and you get a good yield along the way and what they're doing is they're typically transitioning to more convenience like I think of my local service station when I drive home from work and it's a mini Woolworths you know so it's a great land play and you know I mean the ultimate would have been in this sort of space was driving cinemas I mean I went to a driving cinemas when I was a boy that don't exist now I think there's still one in Coburg but, you know, great land play. There's one around the corner from my house and, you know, it's highly densified now. So um, we think that's a, a good little um, sector to be investing in. We're not positive on office in the direct market, but it's been heavily discounted in the REIT sector. So, you know, typically we're seeing office transactions sell on yields, you know, in the sixes. Um, and, you know, if we look at Dexas here today, and that's the big primary um, a REIT in that office space, the office portfolio would be trading on an implied cap rate north of 7.5%. So to us, that's putting the pricing down at near sort of crisis-like recessionary-type outcomes. And the metrics for office, with all the headlines, aren't too bad. Net operating income growth was actually up in reporting season, about 3%, and occupancy across the office rates was sitting at just under 94%, which is actually just a little bit shy of their long-term average. So it's not as... It's certainly nowhere near as dire as what the headlines and, you know, become the paperies. So, you know, we've even seen, you know, we've seen value. So it's, of course, of what's got good fundamentals, but also, you know, where the value value is. And we like retail. Um, we think retail is, is well-placed. It continues to outperform the doubters. You know, people keep talking about, you know, the um, mortgage cliff, but you, you only have to go out to Chadson, you know, on a weekend, and that's just absolutely thriving. Um you know, Centre Group, for example, their sales are well past where they were um, pre pre pandemic. Not as high in the cinemas, but doing really well. And the the productivity is so high, i.e., sales through the centres per square metre, and the rents are actually quite low relative to those sales. So that dynamic is very healthy as well. So you know, we 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 like that retail space too. Brilliant. Well, I guess finally, valuations are always a hot topic and we've seen some significant declines in book values of late. Is this issue still the predominant challenge confronting the market and real estate asset group? I think that there will be still a challenge in the direct market for property values. I mean, I just mentioned Dexas before. Their CEO, when he was in reporting season, was saying we're sort of halfway through that journey. That doesn't mean we're halfway through the asset value decline, but we're somewhat through the journey. And, you know, look, they sold an asset the ones that don't like at 16, 17% discount for book value um, recently at 6% sort of yield. So we expect values to soften further, particularly in um, offers. But in the REIT sector, you've got to overlay the pricing and what's factors in there. And we think that, 
you know, we've really got a lot baked in in terms of asset decline in the REIT sector. So if we're in the direct market and we could sell at those prices, probably be doing it. Um, but the REIT sector's kind of moved ahead of it. And, you know, your point before with the selling, um, you know, they can sell because it's not diluted to their earnings, but also they're recognising that they could be ahead of the curve. So, you know, it's a good opportunity to sort of weed out those assets, which you wouldn't ordinarily hold through the whole cycle, your low quality assets, and get ahead of the curve if you see values declining a bit further. Well, thank you so much for sharing that with us today. I really appreciate you jumping on the show. Absolute pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for having me today. Thanks for listening to this Financial Standard podcast. For more information, visit financialstandard.com.au. Please keep in mind that the information discussed in this podcast is general in nature and does not consider personal circumstances. Reliance should not be placed on any content without further independent financial research and advice. 